ESPN Radio. to ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on ESPN Plus. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. I'm Amber Wilson. He's Chris Canty. We're taking you up until 7 o'clock Eastern. You can join the conversation on the Canty call-in line. We are asking you, can the Lakers build a championship team around LeBron James? This is where we are at, Chris Canty, with your Los Angeles Lakers. Give us a call, 1-888-SAY-ESPN. That is 888-729-3776. So the Lakers have fired Frank Vogel. He has uh, been at least the first scapegoat to fall after this incredibly disappointing Lakers season. LeBron James, he had an exit interview. It was before the Vogel news was official, but the reports were out there that it was going to happen. And frankly, we've all known that this is going to be a piece of a fallout from the Lakers' disappointing season. So the first thing LeBron was asked about was his thoughts on Frank Vogel. He said all the right things. Here was LeBron James. Well, I don't want to speak about, you know, what's been talked about and things of that nature because I don't never get involved in those things. But uh, I respect uh, Frank as a coach, um, you know, as a man in our in our partnership that we've had over a few years here has been nothing but uh, uh, just candid, great conversations. And uh, this guy who gives everything to the game, uh, prepared us um, every single night along with his coaching staff as well. You know, I give those guys a lot of credit too. But, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know what's going to happen. I feel yeah, like and- you do know what's going to happen, LeBron. I feel like you do. Yeah, there's no way that LeBron James was caught off guard when he spoke to the media today about the status of Frank Vogel. He can say that the organization hadn't given him an official word, but LeBron James is in the room when these decisions are getting made. And quite frankly, Amber, LeBron James was in the room when the Lakers made the decision this past offseason to go after Russell Westbrook over Buddy Heald, over DeMar DeRozan, and any other potential options that were out there in the marketplace in order to form a big three in L.A. So... When it comes to the blame game, I know a lot of people are pointing at Frank Vogel. Rob Palenka will get his fair share. But LeBron James in Clutch Sports deserves their share of blame for the disaster that took place in L.A. Now, as far as LeBron respecting Frank Vogel, I have no doubt that LeBron does hold him in high esteem because, after all, they did win a championship together. But it's not just about LeBron James respecting the head coach. It's about everybody else respecting the head coach and buying into what Frank Vogel thinks the identity of the team needs to be. And according to an article in the LA Times today titled The Big Fail Inside the Lakers' Most Disappointing Season, there's a Lakers staffer that spoke on the condition of anonymity that said Russ never respected Frank Vogel. From day one, he did not get along with him and that Frank Vogel wanted the team to focus on trying to push the tempo, anybody bringing the ball up. And Russell Westbrook said that he's the point guard He wants the ball. Give him that blank. And ultimately, that is the beginning of the end as far as a head coach's respect in the locker room. I played in the NFL over a decade, and I know that when you have a star, the caliber of Russell Westbrook, a former MVP in this league, when that person doesn't show respect for the head coach and wants to do things differently than the head coach wants to do them, it makes it hard for everybody to get on the same page. And essentially, that's what we watched all year long with the Lakers. This did not look like a team where everybody was tied together. 
The defensive side of the court was a mess. Offensively, they didn't have a lot of guys that could create shots and create offense in half-court sets. And on top of that, Russell Westbrook was a turnover machine. So there were a lot of different things that led to the Lakers season ending in spectacular fashion and not in a good way. But I never thought that we would see this team finish 16 games under 500 and be on the outside looking in when it came to the play-in tournament. Amber, we're not even talking about the playoffs. We're talking about the play-in tournament. How ridiculous is it that a team that has LeBron James, where LBJ plays over 50 games, you're talking about them being on the outside looking in of the play-in tournament. They can't even be a top 10 seed in their conference. That is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Obviously, a lot of it comes down to the availability of the guys around him. And LeBron at 37 years old, his availability is an issue onto itself. So he can't be the only guy out there getting it done. And when he was on the court, he was certainly getting it done this season. But he wasn't always out there. He played over 50. Fine. He certainly didn't play close uh, to 82. However, you know, it's funny because you said you cited that report about Russell Westbrook not apparently respecting Frank Vogel. It, it feels a little bit to me like, you know, Russ was, we scapegoated Russ down the stretch here. He was getting all the blame. Now the reports are going to come out where Vogel's the scapegoat. And of course they move on from Frank, Frank Vogel. And, and that's going to happen when everything is a dumpster fire right now in Los Angeles. But I have a hard time, even as LeBron James is at the mic and he's saying all the right things. And I know you're buying it because you said that you believe he respects Frank Vogel, but can you respect somebody and simultaneously have any hand in getting them fired. I mean, I'm not saying that it was LeBron James' decision because it wasn't, but we all know that LeBron James is signing off on every decision that is being made there. And if LeBron really wanted to save Frank Vogel's job, he could. So I do find it a little interesting that it's like simultaneously he's at the mic. Oh, you know, Frank had us prepared all the time and he had the game plan and he was a great man and a great leader and a great coach. But then also I don't really actually want him here continuing forward, even though I won a championship with him two years ago. Yeah, yeah. I think you can respect a coach and also realize that you can upgrade when it comes to the potential options that will be available for them this summer. And I think that's exactly what the Lakers are going to do. But then beyond that, Amber, if you're Rob Palenka or you're Jeannie Buss, you actually have to find another face for the failure. And it's not going to be Rob Palenka based on his relationship with the Buss family. It's not going to be LeBron James. So who can it be? Well, we already know the fans have chosen Russell Westbrook, so he can go ahead and put his hand up. But Frank Vogel is also somebody that that can be that person that can step in front of all of the criticism and essentially be a shield for for where the Lakers are at right now to where they're going. So you can get rid of Frank Vogel. You can get rid of Russell Westbrook. And from that standpoint, everybody will feel like the organization is you know responding to the urgency that the fan base has to try to take advantage of having LeBron James in the twilight of his career. And I think that would be – the Lakers giving the fans and the media their pound of flesh. While we say those things, we can also acknowledge that it's going to be hard for the Lakers to land a really good head coach, and it's going to be hard for the Lakers to put the right supporting cast around LeBron James and potentially AD in order to have this team contend at a high level.
Yeah, we had George Zano on with us earlier, and he was mentioning that, you know, you hear the rumors like the Nick Nurses of the world or the Doc Rivers of the world, and, and they can't just go out and get a coach under contract. I mean, then you're talking again about, hey, are they going to trade away that 2027 first-round pick in the draft that we've all been talking about? Are they going to attach that to the Westbrook contract? And kind of all signs point to the Lakers not being willing to do any of that. It's not an easy coaching search for the Los Angeles Lakers, but it was certainly one that was going to be necessary with how the season ended because, like you said, the organization jumps quickly. And frankly, this was handled terribly, the fact that they hadn't even told, told Vogel and then you have your coach go out there and get in front of a microphone and it's not official, but the Woj bomb is out there. So obviously the organization knows that they're firing Frank Vogel. You need to tell Frank Vogel before you put him in front of a mic because you're putting your coach in a very bad spot. A coach that won you a championship a couple years ago. But I think the reason it was handled so poorly is in part they were rushing because they are trying to show their fans, hey, we're doing things to try to fix this situation. When the reality is it's not going to get fixed Easily, although LeBron James wants it fixed because apparently LeBron still believes that at 37 years old, his goal is championship or bust. Here was LeBron James at his exit interview. Well, I came here to win a championship and I want to win more. So I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish, but I'm still hungry for more. So, you know, and I'm confident that this organization wants the same. It's what this organization has always been about. And, um, you know, also wanted just to change the narrative of how this franchise can compete at a high level again. Here's what I'll say to that. Here's what I'll say to that, Amber. That sounds good, but we all know that LeBron James is not only in L.A. for competing for championships. He's in L.A. because he's got business ventures. He's got other things off the basketball court that he wants to do. And I'm not faulting him for that. But, you know, at this stage in his career, his priority is not just winning championships. I'm sure LeBron James would love to win a chip. But if we're being honest with ourselves, the Lakers might not be the best place to do that in the short term, given the roster construction, the Russell Westbrook albatross of a contract and a $47 million player option next season. And then also given Anthony Davis's injury history. I mean, if you look at the big three this past season, Amber, there were only 21 games where the three of them played together, and the Lakers were 11-10 and 10 in such games. There were 53 games where two of the big three played together, and the Lakers were 20-33 in in those games. There was only five games where only one of the big three played. They were 0-5, for 5, and there were three games where none of the big three played. They were 2-1. and 1. So, I mean, this, 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 is, this experiment of Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James doesn't work and trying to reshape the roster dramatically, you don't have a lot of draft picks that you can move in order to bring back pieces that would be a better fit with LeBron. And then you have to ask yourself this. If we're going to try to do something drastic, are we willing to part ways with Anthony Davis, a guy that we gave up a lot of first-round picks for and a lot of players for? That, That remains to be seen as well. But I will say this, as constituted, this team can't win a championship. They just can't. No doubt. They cannot. And, we're, and we've seen the result of, hey, the question shouldn't even be, can they win a championship? I think the question should be, can they make the playoffs? Like, that's, that's the oh point my where gosh. we're at oh with this God. Lakers team as it's currently constructed, which is why it's not going to be constructed this same way next season. But I think, Chris, to your point, we're about to find out how committed LeBron is to winning a championship based on whether he forces his way out here of L.A. at some point. I'm with you. I think he's there for reasons that extend far beyond basketball. So, yes, LeBron James always won 
wants to win a championship, but that might not be his only consideration when he's looking at his NBA career. Because if it was, I'm not sure that he's staying in Los Angeles past the expiration of his contract. Tune into the ESPN Daily Podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily, available wherever you enjoy your podcast. So keep your phone calls coming. Triple H, say ESPN. Let us know if you think the Lakers can retool and rebuild around LeBron quickly. But coming up next, Tiger Woods faltered over the weekend at Augusta, but we'll explain why his return to golf should only be seen as a major success. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Tiger Woods did it. He did not win the Masters, Chris Canty, but he did it. He got through all 72, an accomplishment onto itself. We will be getting into that. Amber Wilson and Chris Canty here on ESPN Radio. But before we get into Tiger, we have been talking a lot about Chris Canty's Los Angeles Lakers. Mm. They fire Frank Vogel. LeBron James has his exit interview. He says all the right things. But the big question is, how on earth do they rebuild? And is Frank Vogel just a scapegoat at this point? Albert, he's in California. You've got some thoughts on the Los Angeles Lakers. What's up, Albert? Hey, can you guys hear me? We can. So so what I think is uh, I don't think the Lakers win another championship with LeBron James on the team. I've been a fan since the 80s with Magic Johnson and Kareem. And uh, I think LeBron just came to L.A. and destroyed the culture, gives what he wants. And uh, I don't see it happening as long as he's on the team. In fact, if I was a – I'm not, but if I was a head coach with a prominent head coach, I wouldn't even want the job, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't see anybody wanting the job to work with LeBron. So uh, that's where I'm at with it. And the, 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 the championship they won a couple of years ago, I feel like they won that only because they were in the bubble. Well, yeah, here's the thing, Albert. That five-month layoff that they had before they resumed play because of COVID, that that absolutely played a role in terms of the Lakers being able to get healthy and be at their best when their best was required. So I'm not dismissing that. And to your other point, Amber, to his other point, I think there is a question of how attractive is this job and how much autonomy the next head coach is going to have when it comes to being able to shape this team and to shape this roster because you know that there are two central figures that loom large in the Lakers organization that are going to have a hand in all of those things, and that would be LeBron James and Rob Palenka. So if you're a coach that has options, why would you want to sign up for this Lakers job knowing that you don't really have a lot of flexibility in terms of how you shape the team with roster construction and you have an aging superstar in LeBron James, and you have another superstar in Anthony Davis that can't stay healthy. It's pretty remarkable that we're at a point in LeBron James's career where we're discussing if people would even want to sign up to coach him. And obviously, when we're talking about being a head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers, the history of that organization, or, or coming off of a championship just two years ago, so there's that factor in as well and then also the greatest player of his generation on the team like that is an attractive job of course but I think the conversation does change in in fairness to your point and Albert's point there when you're talking about current head coaches you know like a Nick Nurse guys who are already in really really good situations with their own organizations who've won championships like Nick Nurse did in 2019 with his own organization what is the purpose of leaving when 
for example, with him, and I'm just using, I mean, there's a lot of rumors out there, but I'm just using him for the example. You know, you have a 28-year-old Siakam that you're coaching. You're in a good situation. You're a made man in Toronto because of winning the championship there when Kawhi was up there. So why do you want to leave that very steady organization and and come to Los Angeles and absorb all the problems right now with this Lakers organization and where the expectations go when you walk into that situation with the Lakers. I do think for somebody like him, it's a difficult conversation. Although, of course, there are people that would love to be the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. And somebody is absolutely going to be thrilled to sign up for that job. It's just funny where we are. I mean, a a couple years ago, this conversation would have been so absurd, Chris Canty, that we're talking about. Do people want to coach LeBron James. Well, here's the thing, Amber. It's LeBron James we're talking about, but we have to separate the name from what we're seeing from him on the court. Not to say that he can't play this game, but LeBron James is not capable of dragging any collection of players to an NBA championship anymore. This is not the LeBron James that we saw in his first stint in Cleveland when he was able to take teams to the conference finals. If you look at that that cast of characters – It wasn't the best that the NBA had to offer. And so with the Lakers, even though they dealt with all of the injuries, you would assume that if you got LeBron James on the court for a significant portion of the season, that they would be able to do enough to at least be in the play-in tournament. But LeBron James is not that player anymore. And so I think that most people, most coaches, especially if they have options, they're going to look at this objectively with clear eyes and say that the baggage that comes along with a LeBron James-led team might not be worth the opportunity. And so I think that's where we're at as an organization. And for a Lakers fan, it's not a great place to be. Well, we're talking about a 37-year-old LeBron, right? So that, I mean, that that certainly factors into this. It's not an easy road to another championship. He needs the help around him. AD was supposed to be that help that helped LeBron age gracefully. AD was supposed to slide into being that number one, and he hasn't been able to be because he's not capable of staying healthy and staying out there. And that doesn't seem like something that you have any sort of confidence in if you're a Lakers fan in terms of it changing. So now we're at a point where the Alberts of the world, our caller, call in, and they sound very salty as a Lakers fan, which Chris Canty can certainly relate to. But yep. it's funny because you guys are only two years removed from a championship. And so it like that, like that caller very much clear wants Albert out of town or Albert very much clearly wants LeBron out of town he's like ah, I'm done with this guy and everything he brings and get everything he brings included very much an NBA title even if you think that it had something to do with the bubble or not like they're not taking the ring and they're not taking the banner from you so it's a it's just funny how far we have come in such a short period of time with the Los Angeles Lakers and it just goes to show you I think for the Lakers fan LeBron is still never truly going to be their guy so they can turn on him him rather quickly when things aren't going well in Los Angeles. Coming up next, we will get to the Tiger Woods conversation that I teased earlier. This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Canty here on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. We've been talking a lot of Lakers on today's show so far, but we're going to switch to the other big news coming out of the weekend. 
which was Tiger Woods. He completed the Masters. He actually competed at Augusta years before probably most of us thought he would, and many people thought they would never see him out there again. Now, Chris, he, he was limping, and it was a limp that became more pronounced as the four days rolled on. At 46 years old, he finished 13 over for the tournament, but that wasn't what was important here. What was important here is that he did this just 14 months removed from that car accident. He did this on a body that we were concerned he may never walk again on. And he looked like a competitive golfer out there, particularly those first couple days, and he made the cut. And really, that's what I think mattered to all of us was just seeing Tiger Woods back as part of professional golf. No doubt about it, Amber. And that was the win for me. It really wasn't a matter of how he performed this weekend, just so long as he could actually be out there and be an ambassador for the game of golf. Because we know... Tiger Woods, and and you heard Scott Van Pelt use this phrase, he doesn't just move the needle. He is the needle when it comes to this particular sport. He still is the biggest name that golf has to offer, and to have him on the biggest stage that the game has to offer means a whole lot. And I think it adds to the story knowing that it was his 25th anniversary from when he first won his green jacket in 1997. It was special to see him back out there knowing the storylines, only being 14 months removed from the car accident, potentially losing his life and potentially losing his leg. The fact that he was able to walk the course all four days, that that was the win for me. And so his tournament went about like everybody expected it would. The first couple of days would be the best. I think through the second round, he was plus one. He made the cut, but it progressively got worse. He shot a 78 on Saturday, shot a 78 on Sunday. So you realize that, the, the physical demands of the course, which from all accounts is one of the most hilly golf courses in all of the PGA Tour, was going to affect his game. And we saw that the last couple of days of the tournament. But overall, I think it's a huge win. And then just projecting forward, Amber, the fact that he's committing to playing in the open across the pond in July, that's another huge boon for the sport. Tiger Woods being a part of these majors is great for the game of golf. Yeah, he he did tell Sky Sports that he plans to play in the Open in July. He isn't yet sure if he's going to play in the PGA Championship in Tulsa next month. But Tiger Woods, he was out there. Now, my Tiger Woods experience, Chris, was going into the Masters, leading up to the Masters the for the beginning of the week when we all were hearing Tiger is going to be out there and he was doing the practice rounds. I kept saying on air, I'm just going to be excited to just see him. I mean, if he gets through the first 18 on the first day, I'll be happy to just see him out there. I don't even care if he makes the cut. But then what happened is he gets out there and he plays on Thursday in terrible conditions, by the way, because the course was so soft and it was so soggy, especially the first couple of days because it, it poured all night and he's out there and, and he's walking the course and he's playing competitive golf and he finishes the first day one over. And my Tiger Woods experience was such that his greatness kicked in for me. Me seeing him out there reminded me of, I guess, yesteryear, which wasn't frankly that long ago. Yep. And I started finding myself thinking he could do it. You know, like he He's in the mix after th- he can do this. So my expectation went from I'll be happy just to see him get through 18 
to I need to see him in contention on Sunday, you know, because that's the Tiger Woods effect. And then, of course, after Thursday and Friday, when he did finish Friday, like you said, he made the cut. He was one over. And then Saturday and Sunday did not go the same way. And by the time we got to Sunday, I was kind of where I had started Monday, where on Sunday, I'm like, okay, I'm just happy. I'm just happy that he's out there (laughs) and he's playing competitive golf again. Tiger Woods, he, of course, had a press conference he spoke at after the Masters, and he said that he was grateful just to have participated thankful as i alluded to I, i'm I, I keep saying it um but i am I, I really am i truly am um just to get to this point and uh just to be able to play and and not, not only just to play but i put up a, a good first round you know and i got myself there I, I don't quite have the endurance that i would like to have had but you know as of a few weeks ago i didn't know if i was even playing this event so um to go from that to here well here's he the thing i will say to that happy. amber I will say he did sound happy. The thing I will say to that, though, I think he's talking about big picture. Like he's happy that he has the opportunity to do something that he's loved all of his life and that, you know, he didn't have to have his leg amputated, that he didn't lose his life. He can be back on the golf course. He can play with his son, Charlie. But but in the actual event, when we saw him playing his rounds this past weekend, you could tell that the competitive drive was there. The intensity was there. I, I mean, Tiger dropped, of the couple, ball. Tiger dropped a couple of F-bombs out there on the course, <laughs> and they, they had to, you know, you just you, you saw it on his face. Like, you just, you knew that he wanted to compete. He holds himself to such a high standard. So he's not about participation trophies. And quite frankly, I love to see that Tiger Woods. I don't want the introspective Tiger Woods when we're out on the golf course. I want the killer. I want the guy that wears the red shirt on Sunday. That's what I want to see because that's the guy that's capable of being able to break the tie with Sam Snead for overall PGA Tour wins. That's the guy that's capable of tying Jack Nicholas and getting that sixth green jacket. That's the Tiger that I want to see, and that's what drew me in this weekend, especially after the first couple of rounds. Amber, you were saying, well, maybe he's got a little bit of this magic left, but then you see the number that Scotty Scheffler posted. You know, after the first two rounds being eight under, and you're just like, ah, oh, Tiger's not going to catch Scotty Scheffler, who's nine strokes ahead of him through the first two rounds. But Tiger was able to put together two solid rounds of golf before I think the, the fatigue set in. Um, and, and I think that as he continues to play in more events, he'll build up some more of that muscular endurance. He'll, he'll condition himself so he'll, he'll, he'll get used to his new body. And we may have a chance to see Tiger Woods win some more golf tournaments win some more major championships and so I'm excited to see it I hope it happens I think everybody in golf and and quite frankly everybody that's just a fan of Tiger Woods is hoping that that happens as well yeah what I took from that sound from Tiger wasn't just that he was happy that he's playing golf again because of course he is happy about that he's happy he can walk he's happy he can he can play the game that he loves he's happy like you said that he can play practice rounds with his son moving forward but I actually took that he was happy in terms of his performance coming off of that first round where he actually feels like okay I don't have the endurance but I showed that I've still got it so if I can build up the endurance and if I can work on some things and get get myself at a place where I am stronger and my body continues to heal from this car wreck I had, then I will actually not just be out there, but I will be truly competing when I am out there. And I felt like he saw the snippets of himself that he needed to see in terms of his game to build on that moving forward. And that in and of itself is a win for Tiger Woods, because again, I'm not sure any of us believed that he'd ever be participating again in majors. Nevertheless, in an opportunity to win 
win one. And Chris, we forget like Tiger Woods is only in his mid forties, which sure that's, you know, a hundred for every other sport, but for golf, that's still relatively young. So he could still have a very long career ahead of himself. I ain't counting him out. I don't know if you are, but I'm not counting him out in terms of winning another major again at some point in his life. No, I'm not going to do that. Amber, I'm not going to pull a Chris Carlin who said going into the weekend that Tiger wouldn't make the cut. I'm not betting against Tiger Woods. I've seen too many great moments. People were betting against him in 2019 and the guy wins the Masters. The last time he won that event was 2005. So I'm never going to bet against Tiger Woods because he's one of the single greatest athletes that this generation of sports fan has ever seen. Getting a Masters ticket to watch Tiger Woods in his comeback must have been a very hot ticket. Hot Ticket is brought to you by Vivid Seats, where you earn rewards with every purchase. Vivid Seats Rewards is your ticket to more tickets. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. Coming up next, does a recent sighting in Cleveland put the final nail in the coffin with Baker Mayfield there for the Browns? We get to that. This is Amber Wilson and Chris Canty on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. LeBron James stopped his run at the scoring title, Chris Canty, because he realized his Lakers season was over either way, right? So he decided to stop chasing it. He didn't play in enough games to qualify. Joel Embiid also ran away with it there at the last few games of the season. I think it's also another reason, frankly, that LeBron decided to not come back from that ankle injury and go after the scoring title. So Joel Embiid has the scoring title in the bag. Does he have the MVP award in the bag? Right now, uh, he is not the favorite. Jokic right now is still the favorite for the award. Yeah, and I'm seeing the the likelihood. It, it feels like this is going to be Jokic's award. But I got a hard time not giving it to Embiid, given all of the things that he's had to deal with with the Philadelphia 76ers. Going back to last postseason and how things ended against the Atlanta Hawks and the drama with Ben Simmons and and him refusing to play for the franchise, Joel Embiid has held it down for the 76ers. And the guy is the first big man to win the scoring title since Shaq did it a couple of decades ago. So I feel like we got to give Embiid his flowers, and this would be the season to do it. And going back to his comments that he made last week, like him asking the question, I don't know what I got to do to win MVP. I- I'm starting to get on that same wave with Embiid. The-, the guy has done enough for people to acknowledge that he is the most valuable player in the NBA this season. I get that, you know, there's a little bit of fatigue with Giannis, but I think there's a case to be made for him. I also think there's a case to be made for Devin Booker. Jokic is a great player, not taking anything away from him, but I think people fall in love with the metrics and the player efficiency ratings, and that that drives a lot of the vote. But as far as the eye test is concerned and looking at where the Sixers are at and how even you are willing to admit that they're a team that you could see coming out of the Eastern Conference and going to the NBA Finals, I think that speaks volumes about what Joel Embiid has done for his team this season. I think where the Sixers are at, though, frankly, uh, isn't even comparable to where the Nuggets are out at with or without Jokic. Like, in other words, the difference between him being on that team or not being on that team is so unbelievably dramatic. Yes, Joel Embiid is also integral to the success of the 76ers. So is Devin Booker with the Sun. So is Giannis Antetokounmpo with the Bucks. right? Like, we can have this conversation about any of these guys that are in the conversation for MVP. But I think that's a lottery team in Denver without Jokic on that team. I also think that with him missing two of his 
key pieces there for his supporting cast. That is true adversity. I'm not saying that Joel Embiid hasn't faced adversity as well this season, but I think that Jokic has quietly faced unbelievable uh, adversity and has still overcome. And yes, the metrics are fancy. So are the regular stats as well. And Jokic does feed into stats, but he's done things that no other player in NBA history has done. ESPN Radio. This is Amber Wilson and Chris Canty on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. We spent a lot of the NFL offseason so far talking about the Cleveland Browns. We have tapered off in terms of the Baker Mayfield conversation because, of course, they got Deshaun Watson. That kind of overshadowed Baker. We had some conversations about will Baker go elsewhere, but apparently right now he's just hanging out on the Browns roster. Well, now there's another uh, kink to the plan if you want Baker Mayfield to somehow stay as part of that organization. The Browns have now signed former Steelers backup quarterback, Joshua Dobbs. Uh, So now they have added three different quarterbacks, Chris Canty, this offseason. Joshua Dobbs being the latest. What does this mean for the future of Baker Mayfield? What are the Cleveland Browns doing at this point? Well, the Cleveland Browns went into this offseason clearly having a plan to upgrade at the quarterback position because they didn't think what they got from Baker was enough. Now, certainly Baker was hurt last year, but I don't think that was the only thing that was baked in it in terms of on-field production. I think that there were some things from a sports character standpoint that the Cleveland Browns couldn't stomach as far as the leader of their football team, the guy that's under center playing quarterback. And the rift that we saw publicly between Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. and then Baker going on the record and saying that there were some internal issues that needed to be fixed didn't do him any favors in terms of his long-term future with the Cleveland Browns. So, you know, the writing was on the wall when the Browns were in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes and then the fact that they went out and signed Jacoby Brissett to be the backup quarterback and now Josh Dobbs to be their third string – it's only a matter of time before they move Baker Mayfield. Now, this was something that I thought from a timing perspective, Amber, that we could see before or during the NFL draft. But now with Cleveland making this move, they lose all leverage when it comes to trying to move right. Baker Mayfield in the short term. That's they, right. Everybody knows they have to go, move on from him. So the, right. question, the question now becomes, how do they go about doing that? Because you're carrying a $19 million cap charge because of Baker's fifth-year option. I I, I just – to me, the best-case scenario, if Cleveland did want to try to get something for him, work out an arrangement where Baker stays away from the team, even going into training camp, and cross your fingers that somebody has an injury to their starting quarterback that forces another team to have urgency and trade something of value to you for Baker – that's the only way they get something back for him because everybody around the NFL knows that they've got to move on from Baker Mayfield. I mean, you can't wait until somebody's injured, frankly, right? You're not carrying four quarterbacks on your roster very long. I understood, of course, when they dis- when they signed Deshaun Watson, fine, from a quarterback, just purely football player perspective, an upgrade from Baker Mayfield. So you understood why they were making that move from that perspective. Bringing in Jacoby Brissett indicated, okay, they're definitely out on Baker Mayfield being a backup quarterback, which, frankly, I didn't think was ever going to work anyways because you're not going to demote that guy to back 
backup and it go well and it go well inside the locker room. And you do need a viable backup there because you still don't know what's happening with Deshaun Watson in terms of a potential NFL suspension. I mean, it is still possible that Deshaun Watson misses a significant portion of this upcoming season. And so you have to have a viable backup plan. And Jacoby Brissett very much seems to present that. And Mm -hmm. so all of that made sense to me. But then they kept hanging on to Baker and hanging on to Baker. And I thought, all right, there must not be much of a market for Baker, but they're waiting for something to change here. And inevitably something will change to your point. Now signing Josh Dobbs at this moment just frankly doesn't make sense to me because now you've obliterated your bargaining position. Like fine. You need a third stringer and you can find one of those at any point, but why did we need to do that now when now everybody absolutely understands there ain't no way you're not moving on from Baker. And maybe they already understood that, but like this is the nail in the coffin. So you've just obliterated your bargaining potential. If you're the Browns. Well, that's why I say, I think it's in the Browns best interest to wait Amber. And here's the thing I, I get, that you can't afford to carry a $19 million cap charge into the season. But right now, as it stands, the Cleveland Browns have the fifth most cap space with $20 million bucks. So they don't have to have any urgency when it comes to making a move for Baker Mayfield. The biggest thing is that you don't want him to be a distraction. And that's why I say you have to work out an arrangement to keep him away from the team with the understanding that we're going to move on from you but we also have to get something back from you because as a former number one overall pick, the likelihood that he would have offset language in his contract is not probable. So he would have a chance to double dip if the Browns cut him. They would still be on the hook for the $19 million fifth-year option, and Baker Mayfield can go get salary from another team of his choosing. So I don't think that Cleveland is in a position where they want to go down that road. The guy was the, the first overall pick in 2018. You have to get something back for him, even if you it's a gym, even if it's a gym membership. You got to right. get something back for Baker Mayfield. And so, although I don't think his value is going to be very high in the short term, I do think there's the potential to fleece a team that could be desperate because they lose their starting quarterback to injury early on in the preseason or early on in the regular season. It's so bizarre to me when we see what teams are willing to give up for quarterbacks with names that in my evaluation are much lesser names or resumes that are much lesser than Baker Mayfield. Like I understand that there right now, you know, is a narrative around Baker because things didn't go well. Particularly oh, it's not a narrative. This last it's season. not a narrative, Amber. I can't let you do that. It's but not come a narrative. On, Chris it's Kansas, not a narrative. There's so many quarterbacks around the league right now that are that that you are not sure are are a, a cent better than Baker Mayfield. And frankly. There's definitely quarterbacks out there that are not as good as Baker Mayfield that people are still very much interested in having on their rock. Josh Dobbs, who they just signed. I mean, I don't know if Dobbs is any good. He's played six games in, in his NFL career. I mean, what are we doing with some of these quarterbacks? And yes, I understand like he was just signed for nothing as a third stringer. But my point is the fact that people that teams, these organizations are acting like Baker is so toxic or so uninteresting is strange to me considering the quarterbacks that all these teams have on their rosters well you know what's strange to me when the locker room is split after the organization sided with baker mayfield and the public spat that he had with odell beckham jr that's strange to me you know what's strange to me the wife of our starting quarterback our franchise guy coming out and being critical of the toughness of everybody else on the team saying that maybe those guys should exhibit the same toughness as my husband and this team would be in better oh, shape. Oh, but come on. Those things, he's those not responsible things, for the things his wife what, says. Like, don't those do things, that Ma- Amber, you say that he's not responsible for the things his wife says. I'm telling you, 
that those things matter in an NFL locker room. They do. And for a guy that's in a natural leadership position, it's not a good look. And then being critical of Kevin Stefanski as well, saying that he needs to clean up some things, some rifts behind closed doors, that's a problem. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not taking people's jobs away because of things that their wives said, but, man, this situation with Baker in Cleveland just continues to get more complicated.